me tell you how it will be We'll all catch up on the books you'll see Cause it's the X-Men Yeah, it's the X-Men Hello everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast episode 297 Indeed, it's an X-Men episode where I'm going to be joined by Ruben to talk about the way of X number one. And then I will finish things up very quickly with X Force number 19. But before we get to that, let me tell you a little bit about where you can find us. You can find me in my basement with all this black mold. That's why it's called the Black Mold Studios. But if you didn't want to find me just in person, you could go and find me on Twitter. And it is WS Marvel Comics, the WS does stand for weird science and if you follow us i will follow you back 100 percent. i think that is something that's nice to do as i say all along if you want to see what i'm up to i'd like to check out what you're up to as well in a non-creepy way also go over to our website weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com where you will get previews news and reviews each and every week and then If you like what we're doing here, the three episodes on the feed that we give you totally free, all that, and want to support us and want to give us a little, you know, hey, good job, guys, a little pat on the back, you can go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. But it's not just, hey, give me money, suckers. It's actually, hey, we got a bunch of shows, and if you think they're worth it, it'd be kind of cool. And we have a ton. We usually have about 60 episodes of different podcasts each month, a bunch of them being Marvel shows. Uh, One of the things that we have is if you go to the highest level, that's the badasses. I always say the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, beep, boop. And if you are at that level, you get to choose everything we talk about through the polls. And there's a lot of polls each week, all that. One of the big things that we do is we let the Patreons check out what they want us to talk about on the patreon only marvel comic spotlight a episode that we do each week where it's two books from those current books of that week picked by the best of the get fresh crew and we go through those so they it's all under their control and what they seem to want this week if you are wondering it's beta ray bill number two which i can tell why because it's awesome and me and clay really like the first issue of it the last time we talked so i can see that But they also are picking The Marvels, number one, the new book by Kurt Busiak. And then kind of getting to the point where it may win out. Maybe there's a big race for that second book. Uh, Spider-Man Curse of the Man thing, number one, Steve Orlando's deal is right there, as is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 25. So it's still a crapshoot. And you can go on. You don't have to go and be a badass right away. You can go and there's a lot of levels, a lot of different, you know, money levels, not a lot of money overall. So you just check it out. You get more books, more reviews, more podcasts each time you go up a level. So it's just that I'm tired. I just I hope that people get the gist of it and check it out because it's hard for me to really explain how much we do until you go over and actually check it out. But I mean, you can actually ask. There's a lot of people that are on Twitter or whatever that are on the Patreon. You could ask them if it's worth it. I would hope that they would say yes, but I'm not going to make them, right? That's not what I'm here. I'm not here to make people say things. I'm also not here to try to convince you that something's better than you thought or worse. I'm just here to tell you what I think about it. And that kind of goes in with this first review. Me and Ruben are going to be talking about The Way of X, number one. It's a book that has religious and political overtones. 
And a lot of times you get those books and people, you know, they want to go extreme either ways. They want to love it just because and maybe just because they don't want to be called out. They don't want to look stupid. I, I don't know. Everybody has their different deal or they go to the opposite negative extreme just because I don't like this sort of thing. I better put a, a nix to this right away by not liking it being a curmudgeon. And I hope that you realize when we go through these things, because a lot of times when people first listen to us, they'll always go, oh, you're so negative. You're so negative. I just listen because I hope that for the most part, we have reasons for liking or not liking something. And I think there is a idea of being you know, toxically negative, but I also think there's a toxic positivity as well, where you just end up liking something for the sake of it, and it just starts fights either way. So screw that. I don't know why I'm going on the soapbox of this. It just, it does get to me sometimes when I end up seeing some things going on that just seem like people are going to make a certain book or a certain writer, a certain like thing, a battleground. And I don't, I don't get into that stuff. I, I don't like battlegrounds. I do not need East Coast, West Coast rap wars going on with, with comic reviews. Nobody needs that. That's how Tupac and Biggie ended up dying. And then they might have, right now, if they lived, they might have been reviewing comics. Who knows? So we'll just tie it in with that. But, hey, we're going to go off. Like I said, me and Ruben, we're going to talk about The Way of X, number one. And then I'll end with a tiny, tiny bit of talk about X-Force number 19 all right and we're going to start off with the way of x number one and uh with that i'm here with ruben how you hey. doing ruben ruben's here and he is going Apparently to I'm have Mr. to negativity you're gonna have to justify this <laughs> negative score you gave on the site because on the site ruben uh gave his first review here and he ended up giving this book a such a low score i couldn't believe it i, yeah, I thought to myself like right. you're gonna have everybody just yelling and screaming at us all this stuff. Now, I will reveal one thing. I'm a little more positive than you. Even though I tried to make you believe I wasn't, to, to ease you in, slightly more positive, but slightly more positive in a way that I'm not even looking at this issue like a lot of people. I see a lot of these reviews, and this is a little bit of a, you know, inside baseball, you know, going behind the curtain here. When, when you have people say catchphrases like this really makes you think, or, boy, this brings up a lot of questions, or a roller coaster ride of emotion stuff. That, that means that they're trying to get in and out without getting yelled at and whatnot. And who knows what they mean? Because why are you having a review that then ends up like being like not even spelling out, boy, this raises a lot of questions? Well, tell me what questions it raises. That's part of you reviewing this, isn't it? No, no, they don't. And when you end up Having X-Men books, first off, people seem to want to elevate the score anyway. If you are an X-Men fan like Nightcrawler and he is the lead here, that's going to go up a little more. Cy Spurrier has some fans. I'll say that goes. But when you put in religion, especially like politics, people will kind of fight back against. But religion is something that you throw in a book and everybody just ends up. They don't want to say anything bad. It's mysterious. It's all that. And going into this book, I see reviews. Boy, it's so great. A new religion is going to be on crack call. I go the opposite of what this is about. And I go the opposite of, yeah, we're going to get probably a new religion or something with that. But it's going to be of a necessity from Nightcrawler realizing that. And a funny kind of phrase I'll say is the mutants have lost their humanity. They don't even care about things anymore. There's no stakes. There's nothing. And when you have that, Almost like a Reddit or a Twitter being like when you don't have people go nuts, they start being pretty aggressive and bad. And that is in this issue, 
leads, I think, directly to the crucible. And that's where I really thought this issue was shining a bit because me and you, I don't even know what that crucible is for, really, because you don't necessarily have to go, you know, death by combat. You could do it. No, you're just going to resurrect them afterwards. So this idea that there's this bloodlust and there's no care for the living and things like that, even where they have, you know, almost pushing it towards like losing your virginity. I, I thought that that's where I thought that it was pretty good. It made me think. And I had lots of questions, is what I'll say. But I'll, I'll go through this, and then <laughs> I will ask you what you think. That was just my yeah. little rant at the beginning. But it is written by Cy Spurrier, art by Bob Quinn, colors by Java Tartaglia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, playing make-believe. Mutant kind is a new home. Kreko, an island of wonders, where the sins of the past are absolved and the future is bright. From a life-saving medication to the miracle of resurrection, the Krakon nation represents promise and possibilities for its people. But there are those who sense darkness beneath the veneer of paradise, and there is one who will try to save mutant kind from itself. And that, again, that's what I said. I, You know, you could say that I'm being surface level with the things, but I see a lot of people saying, like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Nightcrawler's questioning his own religion things. And he's Catholic. He goes with this. But really, is this just the next step of things? Because it, I'm not a religious guy. And I'm not going to be pretentious. I'm spiritual because I'm not that either. Uh, but with the Nightcrawler living in a world where, okay, you're, you're a mutant. That already throws a, a wrench in things a bit. You know, the idea of that. Then you have space travel and you're going and you, you meet 10,000 different species with 10,000 different gods and pantheons and things. That's going to make you question. Then you actually are there and, hey, what up, Thor? Aren't you a god? Yeah, he's a god with you. These are always going to make you question things. The thing is, a person of faith, it doesn't matter. Like Nightcrawler, you know the whole, the phrase, oh, I'm being tested. That That's what you will always rely on. There is that, you know, be all, end all, get out of that. So the idea where Nightcrawler's there thinking, you know, oh, my God, and even when you have Magneto, who's even giving a sermon in this, I don't necessarily take it as, you know, the idea that Nightcrawler, Kurt, is in a crisis of things. I think that he thinks everybody else is, and I think that he realizes that he does need to kind of get, you know, get something that will go out to the other mutants and have them believe in this and wonder. But the big thing is, how do you do that when you pretty much have made, I mean, literally, you've made everybody on Krakoa gods. They they resurrect. The best line in this whole book is actually when I think it is Magneto said, you know, that resurrection, you know, your god was pretty good at that as well. And I think that that's the interesting things. Um, but yeah, overall, though, as a story, I think that it had too much other things going on for me to say, oh, my God, this is all 100 percent dead on. And I, I can't wait to read more. In fact, by the end, I was slightly bored and wondering if I would continue with this. And, and just imagine I'm more positive than you. Holy moly. Uh, but any anything before we kick in the page or page? I mean, were you expecting something different here? Is this what you thought? Did you just go in and say, okay, I'll see what's going on with it? Yeah, I mostly I, I kind of approached it as let's see what's here. I'm a big fan of Cy Spear, as you know, and I think I've told you my theory that he's either really with it or terrible. He's hot or cold. And, yeah. And there were parts of this. This is really down the middle for me. So this was kind of surprising and it's not like i've read his entire discography of books you know but in any event it's funny you say discography and i knew exactly what you meant it made me (laughs) smile anyway i'm like okay i get it 
You, you never but, listened to a second album. That was an experimental one where he went acoustic. You didn't. You didn't deal with that. One. I thought it, it was positive, and I actually thought my seven point five is a positive score. But I didn't think this was something I would want to reread again. And um, there's some, you know, I kind of I see your take. Like Doctor Nemesis, I'm not familiar with that character. Not really myself. And that seemed like a heavy part of it. Like it was a comic relief that was added for some reason. And 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 wasn't it, it? I think it was kind of a little swerve as well because you have the kids talking about the Patrick Man, and they end up saying, "Oh my God, his hair is crazy." I mean, he's got crazy hair. And then you go right to Doctor Nemesis, who does have pretty much fungal hair. As he is making some psychedelics, um, and I thought that that was like, the, oh, that's the that's the Patrick man. Okay, that's an odd deal, but let's go. But you find out different. Now, is it that this issue has a lot of like wow moments? Maybe the idea of at the end, legions there. You end up ha- starting with Xavier having a bad dream and calling Kurt. Maybe wants a little advice or a little spiritual thing going on there, but Kurt's busy. And uh, maybe it is the idea that maybe those. Wow, moments aren't hitting with us as much. So I'm going with it. But I do like this is uh, Spurrier, the stuff I've read. He's a smart fella. Uh, sometimes he gets too smart for his own good. Sometimes he goes off on little tangents and things like that. But I do like this idea of what is religion and, and what one person's, you know, one crazy religion is another's fanatical hate group and things like that. Like who's right and wrong and whatnot. Uh, because we do start out where they go to this place where they're pretty much Orcus is making evil missionaries to go out. They're brainwashing them, going out to talk about all the bad things that the mutants have done. Now, is it brainwashing? Because that's on the mutant side of things, thinking of that. Or is it true? Because you end up in the visual is they go through the hall of horrors of all the bad things that the mutants did these people legitimately you could have three people there who were killed by mutants or parents and stuff like that we've seen some of the bad things like the marauders deal where we end up seeing that yeah they've done some bad things you know bobby is gone and froze limbs and stuff and on that part it's interesting because it's like they did all those things yeah yeah those are (laughs) those are real things it's not like these are unreal like you know oh you're misconstruing us and it's like, yeah, no, this is your nasty history, right? Yeah. You're not and gods. Kurt in the middle thinking that awful. Yeah, people are good, even though, you know, they are separate. But remember, this is a Krakoa that's not, you know, the uh, the brotherhood of evil. This is a Krakoa who is recognized as a nation and are living and have a full out rule, no killing humans. So when they go in to get this and call it a hate group, I mean, it is like the idea who's a terrorist, who's a freedom fighter, because it does skew from which side you're looking at. Again, though, with with all this, I think that just some of the the scenes just tend to go a little too long. And this is an oversized issue. But, you know, you go in, you have everybody fighting and you have the big thing with Pixie. They're making fun of her and they're they're playing it off like she is a virgin. Oh, my, she's never done it before. And the done it is resurrected. And so she ends up like, I mean, that is a horrific scene of what is a girl, even though we know she'll be resurrected. But there's, you know. There's Kurt watching, and she just walks right up to a shotgun and says, I'm going to make them feel guilty (laughs) for doing this and gets her head blown off. That is a pretty crazy scene. And I get the deal where he sees the youth. They're getting a little crazy here. They, they they, They didn't live through the nonsense that the mutants had to go through to get to this point to realize how great this was. They are treating it as basically... 
you know, this is like spring break. And, you know, we're there down in Fort Lauderdale having fun and drink. And like they film every- it, right? And they think it's hilarious. Everything is fun and games to them because they don't really know what. And that's not necessarily a religious thing. That's what I'm saying. Some of these little things that pop up, I like that. It, it all, What it reminds me of is when you have like, there's Will Smith, right? He worked hard to get out of West Philadelphia. He became the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We all know the true story of what that is. But then there's, you know, his son and daughter where they're kind of getting a little because they didn't have to do that. It would happen with anybody who is, you know, all of a sudden you're rich, but you work that. You have to know the struggle, so you're a little more grounded. Your kids just go nuts and go off the deep end. with. And I think that that's what we're getting. And I, I like that idea that, you know, not necessarily need a religion. I think a couple of these kids need to uh, have a whooping is what they yeah. need. But And that's the part that interests me. And if in my review, I made that comment, right, where I didn't want a book that was just like, here's a new religion, right? Yeah, because that's what fictional. I was afraid of. And so all the sort of social and like sort of morality questions that are raised that's that's interesting stuff take it to the other part of this is the idea where the patchwork man oh the kids are talking about that but again that's almost like the idea where it ends up being true i mean it ends up being it seems legion by the end but even then the, you know the little kids and the things like that and everything they need to have the like the scary thing you know the the thing and what would be scary to them so i even went with that like the idea of all the little kids are talking about this. They're afraid, but nobody cares because what would we care about? We're, we're immortal. We can be resurrected, but there are things that are worse than just dying. And you end up where you know, Nightcrawler comes back. This whole thing with Magneto is okay. When Magneto starts preaching about, you know, I was wrong then. And now almost like you're getting like Magneto really feels like he has won. The idea of Magneto and Charles butting heads all the time. About, you know, don't hurt the humans. No, we're superior, whatever. Krakoa is more of his line. They're superior. They're the, you know what I mean? So I think that he's really high on the hog talking about things after the weirdest prank that I, I, I just, it seemed like that, that prank of getting the statue of the evil Magneto shooting the missiles off that was, yeah. I think that that was just complete setup for this scene and did not feel yeah. right to me. And it you wasn't that I mean? hilarious, right? Like, I don't see how that, Especially, you think through the progression of that scene, right? So Pixie gets her head blown off, and then at that point, Kurt's like, "Oh, I'm going to pull a prank." Like yeah. he, he seemed pretty horrified. I know, and, by and that like, whole situation. He's down, horrified. <laughs> then when he walks out, he sees the statue of Magneto, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm going to punk them. I'm a mind freak." Him. They go back. <laughs> even if you ended up having like, I don't know, you grab the helmet. I don't know how the statue or whatever would work, and they come in, and you're. Acting out to so look at me, I'm Magneto or something like. I don't get the the prank. The prank is look at how much of a jackass you used to be, and look, we'll laugh at you because you got the. I, I don't know. And everybody's just there, and there's Wolverine, nice hardware, Mag, overcompensate, and I'm like, ah, you weren't even around. So you end up like, I, I don't know. It wasn't funny, and it, it played out only so that Magneto can say, thank you. That shows my folly, and uh, I realize now. But again, I said, when he starts talking about it is, you know, he always wanted the mutants to come together, separate themselves from humanity. Yeah, he might have wanted to kill some people along the way, but still, he's kind of gotten most of his wish uh, with what's going on. And I just, it just was like, yeah, that was just a setup deal because each of these scenes to me, is going to give you another peek at what people kind of think religion is. And not necessarily just like go to church and pray to God religion, but what the, you know, Magneto's religion is the religion of mutantum and being, you know, you end up having 
Dr. Nemesis, where his deal is, you know, he's a hippie. He's just going to take psychedelics. He thinks he's going to hang out with the Beatles in India here. But again, that's kind of another way of altering your mind and getting close to the thing. And I just think that it just went too far with a lot of them. Yeah, before we get past Magneto, so he crushes all the, the missiles into a pyramid, right? It made me kind of think of the, the weird pyramid thing they retrieved from the uh, Sword at shoe number one, and I wonder if that has some. Maybe it's just kind of. I, I even you could even uh, maybe it's like an Illuminati thing as well. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. these made up missiles, and I would I would really wonder why a hate group like Orcus would have things in plain sight. Like all of a sudden, Magneto realizes this is like the key to everything, but he does do it like that, almost maybe saying like, "This is our future here. Uh, this is our past. Look at the folly, but look at me. I'm going to make this into what will be our future. Maybe a wink, wink into what we saw at Sword a little. Yeah, and he even says, you know, when Kurt's like, what was that all about? It was a sermon. I thought you'd be used to those sort of things. Now get out of here. And, and he goes, and you're introduced to a new mutant called Lost who comes in. Number one, I wasn't sure of the gender of, of this character. We're told that it is a female by the end. But the thing is that's weird is, she comes here, she's supposed to be one of the lost, one of the ones that ended up losing the powers from Scarlet Witch, all those things going on. And what you end up having to do is kill them so they can be resurrected to have their powers set back. We've seen this a bunch of times. Though, I don't, like I said, I don't really understand the full-out nature of the ceremony of it. I mean, you could just throw her off a cliff and go get the body and resurrect her, all that stuff going on. And so I think that this has all been set up for something like this, where it is like a gladiatorial type deal yeah there's there's some notes in some of the text pages that talk about how they're prioritizing the resurrection of people that die through the through the ceremony and so i agree you can just kill her but it seems like there's an advantage to but the advantage killed. i think the advantage is what Mag or not magnino nightcrawler points out is this has just become the sport of krakoa this is where people are there cheering with a bloodlust of going through this when it's not really needed. I mean, you could legitimately... I mean, they just have a euthanasia process, right? Where it's like discreet, quiet, you just go take a non-violent Like death. a Jean Grey who can make you think that everything's great and whatnot as yeah. you end up injecting something and they go. I mean, this is not humane. And it's almost like it's set up to show you the... The power of like what you are asking us to do is resurrect you. So you have to have some sort of sacrifice yourself. But that's not really what needs to happen. I mean, again, when you're out in the field and you get killed, it's going to be horrific. Do you have to do that to these people who have already gone through this and are going there to try to get their powers back? The other thing that I don't understand is you know, the power kind of seems to happen or not. I don't know. You end up where. Th this lost and i like the idea i'm lost oh well tr take a left at albuquerque that's the name as well yeah i didn't even get that <laughs> yeah i thought that that was kind of a funny thing so, by the end because when she now. comes out they're like here is lost uh, i'm lost yeah. yeah we know this in an issue where kurt seems lost as well but lost almost like because he has he doesn't recognize what his world has turned into with this bloodlust yeah. and with these kids who are just man i'm gonna put this on the instagram you get in your head blown off and so they end up having this a Magneto's the one also remember the big thing was you wanted somebody who was big and personal with your whole deal to combat against but Magneto's just here and he's just going to town 
And when the rope comes off, I mean, I'm like, is that a power? Because it does look like almost like a plastic man, elongated man, something like that. And that seems yeah, I to think be their the, power later, but I think she's always in this form. Yeah, so I think the I think the idea is that she doesn't have gravity right around her, and so because of that, her body is very distended. And then when her powers were taken away, the gravity power went away, but her body was still the way. Even though when that it was before, comes off though, she looks like she grows. 17 feet i guess she's folded up i think that's the idea yeah she's in there already but because the weird thing about it is when she does get her power when she does get resurrected she does seem to have that they say that it's a gravity pull type thing but also seems that you know you're going to get confused a little oh that's somebody who's like a mr terrific you know mr fantastic it's like really stretchy but it's more the idea that she already has like you said, a distended body that ends up getting all cramped up and whatever. But once she can do that, but she does affect others around her, um, making them sick because of the whole deal of your inner ear and stuff like that. But again, you have this whole thing going on in, in the big crucible where Magneto's shooting crazy shards and things. You have Kurt jump in. I mean, there's like a lot of things going on here that we don't normally see people trying to interrupt it. You end up then where. Uh, Dr. Nemesis, he comes in, he's like, hey, what's going on? And everybody just seems to be cheering without any sort of inkling of, you know, these two characters looking at him in disgust that everybody's just this bloodlust. To me, it was just a little over the top with it. Um, but again, this isn't quite yet pushing a new religion. What it's pushing in my mind is the idea that some of the people have kind of come up with their own kind of religions, even with the five almost seemingly like, they're gods because they and they're so important and they're there. They're the resurrectors and things when they see it. You know, that makes Kurt uncomfortable as well. Charles is trying to figure things out and says to Kurt, hey, I need your help. I need you to go do something. And it's that his son's there. His son's back. That's the Patrick man, it seems. And he sends Kurt. And even then, when you do get Legion, like, oh, my dad always does this. You're the and always mentioning every you're the kindly one. It keeps coming up. Yeah, that came up a little too much for me. It rubbed me wrong. But it did. I mean, one time, but when you have loss come. But I was told you were the kindly one. That was a little too much. Um, but yeah, when you're going, and even like little, I think that Sice Spurrier might, he might be trying to be, again, like too clever. I think that some of these things would play out really good if you end up one of the most powerful panels, I think, that I didn't even notice is when you have this loss getting just slaughtered by Magneto. And when. He walks away, says, nothing hurts more than a life of submission, Nightcrawler. I dare say, you know. And he's there with his rosary beads laying down. Like, this is not just him coming in there and like, hey, you got to stop or whatever. I mean, this is, you know, starting to be something that is really affecting him uh, on another level. But then you get shoved off to go see the Patrick man. And, you, you know, all these things going. They bring back Pixie, too. And then, like you said, they're like, hey, look at this. Look at this Instagram pic. And one of the big things is when... Pixie, right before she got shot, they were talking about, oh, what happens? You know, I really feel like a, a, a grilled cheese. I felt like sushi last week. but I, And then when she comes back, there's Kurt to be a nice guy. I got you a grilled cheese. And she's like, no, 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 I feel like sushi. It shows that she is not the one that yeah, died, she's right? Not. Like so, she missed those days. And that's the big thing. And we've talked about this in other books. And, you know, even like the whole with the children of the vault and you have like, what is the real person then after you die and come back and you reset back and whatnot? Is that, are you the same person then? Is there a soul? I mean, the idea of a soul, are there going to be 80 souls? That, like, there's a lot of things that are interesting 
it's just not getting there yet for me. And and it seems like this is really trying to pack a lot in that I think obscures some of the stuff. Because then once you get Legion at the end, that's the wow moment again. And that kind of wipes out a bunch of the other things. Like, oh, my God, I, I want to see what happens here. And I think that this should have been a little more of a, a not subtle, because I said he shouldn't have been so subtle, but a little more focused on Kurt and his troubles here. And it, it just gets real busy. Gets real busy with a lot of social commentary, religious, you know, under and overtones. But he even goes in the idea where Legion's like, yeah, you're, you guys. And that the cue of what is the resurrections is another big thing that when Legion comes, he says about, like, why aren't you resurrecting these people, including, you know, Ruth, that he loved. Yeah, and I'm super interested in that because Nightcrawler has a lot more sway, right, on the influence of different mutants, right? People listen to him, whereas Mystique, they're kind of like, whatever, you're just yeah, yeah, looking yeah. for your Looking, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, so, like, if he starts now saying, yeah, why aren't we resurrecting the the people that have this foresight ability, then they're going to have to answer that, right? They can't just dismiss it. Take the idea that they ended up where they didn't even have proof of death for Laura, X-23, and they resurrected her. She could still be alive. We didn't see her die in the vault. Now, if she came back out, she'd probably be 10 trillion years old, but still, we didn't see her die. And, you know, there that's something kind of, you could get that religious tone to that. What does that mean? And what happens to somebody then that comes back when they shouldn't and, you know, and and you do get, again, even the overall scheme of things I like where the idea that the mutants, they aren't going to die and they don't really care much about anything anymore. They're they're very, they're getting very much with this bloodlust that is tending in my mind to go to what Orcus is doing. Like we're starting to become them. We're starting to become the bad guys here in our own narrative. And I don't want that. Because Kurt wouldn't want that. Whether religion is involved or not, that adds that other layer. Um, but yeah, I, I like that idea because a lot of things that we go with are the idea that you do have some good mutants starting to act bad and some bad mutants actually seem like they're liking the redemption. So uh, I want to see how that goes. But there's an interesting bit with the blindfold issue too so you know i didn't know exactly at what point she disappeared from the x-men continuity so i looked this up and i guess she committed suicide several years before this krakoa storyline and so now they're sort of insinuating that what happened is she saw krakoa as a future and saw that she wasn't really part of it because of her part but then she commits suicide yeah and makes her not a part like it's almost like a uh you know, that whole deal. And obviously, Legion had this relationship with her, and that was kind of one of Sai's big storylines is those two were uh, together. They were together, and that's why uh, when he Kurt gets sent off to go find Legion, pretty much figures that's where he'll be at the graveyard that they have. Kind of a messed up thing even to have that graveyard, too, uh, on there just almost saying, like, yeah, they're going to be here for a while. Like, why make a grave for some <laughs> people that are going to be resurrected the next day? You, you may not do that, uh, but yeah. Also, I mean, with the idea, too, you can kind of come with that religious deal of committing suicide and and what's going on with that, too. So there are some layers, like you said. I guess that there probably are more layers than we even know because of the characters and not aware of a lot of their ins and outs. But like I said, the sort of mysterious character, the patchwork man, right, that's appearing in everyone's dreams. I keep looking at that and I'm like, I swear I've seen that character before. And it might be from X-Men Legacy. It might be one of Legion's personalities, but... For some reason, it's like weirdly familiar. Yeah, and and so we see, like I said, Legion at the end, in my mind, kind of uh, obscures some of the other things that I thought were pretty cool uh, to check out. And that's the thing. I'm not going to say 
that, you know, like I said at the beginning, like, whoa, this raises a lot of questions. Well, it does. I think that we went through them talking about them. But what I think more is that it does have some layers here. Interestingly, we didn't ask about religion. <laughs> and that's the thing. <laughs> Those I'm aren't not, the questions. Nope, I'm not. And, and I said, it's a weird thing to go with, you know, oh, and yes, at one point, I think Kurt is going to think we need some, but is I think that he's going to have this thing of, do we need religion? Uh, because you can't force that either. So what is that? I think that he's going to really struggle with what they actually do need here to to get going and things like that of, of what's happening, especially, again, with the children. It's about the children. I mean, they're going nuts. And uh, hopefully, you know, that we made some sense here. Uh, but, yeah, I liked it a little more than you, I said, because I'm, yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to give it an eight. I'm not going to go any further because I will say <laughs> you're the second lowest score. Well, yeah, I know. Up. Unlike a lot of the books, <laughs> when I get out of this, I'm not going to necessarily say that it took my breath away reading it. But there are certain aspects of this that I'm really interested in and I'd like to see them developed. And in a way of saying this is my way of saying, well, there's a lot of questions, whatever. There are some things that I think huh, I wonder what Psy means by that. And I want to see how they develop and how they kind of turn around and, and go with this idea. Seeing Orcus with these, you know, pretty much they say brainwashed people are going to go out and preach the the mean mutants and the bad mutants, like that sort of thing. I want to see how they react to that. I want to see just, you know, if we have some other people questioning the whole deal with the Crucible, because I question it a lot. And also, Xavier feels off in this, and I think that something is wrong beyond his son, you know, trying to get into his mind. One of the funny things is I wish Nightcrawler would have pointed out because you end up having uh, Xavier call, you know, Nightcrawler, hey, Kurt, what's up? Oh, I'm in the middle of this, you know, drop. We're going to go or this stuff. Oh, I'm glad that you ended up joining up with that. I was not aware. Then later turns around and pretty much says, I'm glad when I found out that you were in there because you it, it kind of went back and forth with it. And I think that he's a little scattered. And I think that maybe, you know, Nightcrawler realizes that when, you know, you he's call pretty somebody. much losing the the influence. I mean, you think about Magneto in the Crucible and the legions of mutants they're cheering, right? They're all excited for Magneto. Like, who's got an opinion of Charles and his philosophy? Again, not a question that's brought up, but an idea. Will Will you have... You know, Xavier think, Charles think, I need to kind of skew this sort of religion with Kurt. I need him to do this because I need to get these people back. And that would be using Kurt at a point very specifically when, you know, hey, what's going on, Kurt? Hey, you could just read my mind. And Charles, no, 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 no. I don't do that. I want to ask. But it is bringing up the idea. And maybe we will have something dark like Xavier pushing him in a direction that he wants him to do and really wants a religion when Kurt may not want to really go that route, too. So that could happen. It'd be cool. And you get some other. You get Blink and you get DJ and, and all that stuff. So it's cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm an 8. You already said you're a 7-5. Negative. Yeah, People just negative looking at you five. like, look at this guy. And, and <laughs> here's the thing. Then Gabe, he ended up having a second opinion review. He gave it a nine. He likes it a little more. And everybody can like it. I just like to have, you know, reasons and discussions about it, not just try to get out. Well, well, it's religion. I'll just give it a 10 because I don't want to deal with that or I don't want to get called out. We don't mind. If it's a little out. deeper, you know, I, I could revise my score in a few issues. Right. Depending on how this shakes out. And if we find out that, like, this is a very interconnected, multifaceted 
story. Yeah, you, you and, could go up or you know, down. I don't know. It might get one. That's how it is. But we'll see how the next issue is. So I hope everybody at least enjoyed us trying to get through that. Uh, but again, I, I don't mind getting yelled at. It, it upsets me. But I, I know it happens. I'm not going to change my score because of that. So so I went with an easy eight. You can't get yelled at. Does this make you eight. question your faith and everything yeah, no, that you, you believe in? Really. I'm like, I think these <laughs> reviewers need to find some religion, a religion of actually being critical. Uh, that's my deal. Find that one. You know, Bruce is in. But uh, that's that. So thank you for joining me, Ruben. And I'm going to go off and talk a little X-Force to finish this whole thing off. Okay, and X-Force number 19 is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Gary Brown, colors by Guru FX, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, designed by Tom Mueller. I like to throw that in now. And again, to remember that he is designing things. It is Dream Walker, not Dream Weaver, Dream Walker. Beast is dead, Black Tom is missing, and a rogue psychic enemy bearing Kid Omega's telepathic signature is on the loose and targeting the rest of X-Force. Taking matters into their own hands, Phoebe, Cuckoo, and Kid Omega have entered the astral plane in the hope of confronting the threat head-on, which they do. And this is an arc and a end-of-an-arc-here story that if you're a Kid Omega, Quentin Quire fan, maybe you'll like it. I talked to somebody, they didn't like it as much. Uh, it basically is teaching. You know, teaching Quentin to be a better person. He's an Omega level threat, obviously one of the most powerful mutants, but he's also a snarky jerk. You know, he's kind of a brat. He's kind of a somebody you don't want to hang with. And this is kind of seemingly not. I mean, is that a redemption if you actually start just treating people nice and maybe get over the fact uh, that you are the best there is and whatnot? Because you do end up having him chasing down this you know, bad version of himself. This whole deal of, you know, the the doppelganger with his own telepathic signature, pretty much so you can go of the mine and have Quentin kill the evilness in him in a very heavy-handed way, I thought. Also, the dialogue was a little bit forced as well. At points, I thought that we weren't actually seeing what we were really seeing, things like that. Now, we do have this horror-esque deal going in the astral plane, and that's cool enough. And you, you see what's going on with this, and it gets real horrific. Now, what is really horrific, though, is Gary Brown's art. It's awful. It is unbearable at points, just looking at it. And the real horror is what he did to Gene's face. Every time that gene comes out, it looks like somebody hit her with something, something really bad and vicious. She looks different each time. The one panel, and and I don't know, I think that everybody would probably have their own least favorite panel. But this one panel where you see her, first one time I thought she was like smoking. Uh, But the one panel was when you end up having her say to Quentin, this isn't a joke, and let me assure you, from personal experience, it's not fun if someone you love is secretly spending their nights elsewhere. This whole idea of going into the mind and things like that. If you end up, and it's a smaller panel, but if you end up, you know, magnifying it a bit, don't. Because you're looking into the face of just awfulness. I think that if you look at that three times in front of a mirror, Candyman will come out and slash your ass. It's so bad. But you do get that deal, like I said, allowing Quentin to kind of shed his snarky nonsense. Even at one point, Gene says, man, you know, you're not exactly the greatest guy here, but 
you're not the guy who's always looking to put people down to elevate yourself things like that and and that's nice enough in the meantime you even have domino and gene going off and trying to find the place where they are doing all these experiments things like that even of the mind but even with that you have gene out in the middle of like siberia it looks like in her skirt nothing really fits well in this through the whole deal and I don't think that this is necessarily uh, an arc. Well, there's some bigger things. You do end up seeing Black Tom coming and then gets in a fight with Sage. They're trying to stop that, the whole beast deal. But really, this issue ends up being, hey, there, Quentin, you want to be better? You want to be, you know, your good self? Well, let's go into the astral plane and let's fight off the evil self, the evil doppelganger, Uh, something that seems to be made with all of your I wouldn't say faults, but all of your meanness and awfulness and things like that. I'm not going to talk that much about this. I mean, I'm almost done because of the idea. It's just that the art is its so bad. It's so bad that by the end, I'm like, okay, well, there's Quentin. He seems happy. He's there with Phoebe. You have all this stuff going down. It looks like we found where Black Tom is, at least. We'll have to figure out what's going on. Seems like when... The doppelganger ends up getting killed. That severs the connection there, so he's okay. But you even end with just a a boom. Like, all of a sudden, Quentin ends up being able to fight off the up, and then it's over. You end up even where you have this awful, old, withered, you know, horrific-looking version of Kid Omega that's there. And Domino is about to shoot, him, and Gene's like, no, don't bother, Dom. It's dead. Let's sweep the flesh factory and the evidence, because this is all with Zeno. All this was being done by Zeno, who were the group that ended up getting Domino at that one point and flaying her skin to use as a little skin patch, lucky skin patches, so that they can invade Krakow and at that point end up killing Xavier. So you end up seeing that deal going, but they're going to destroy this factory at the end. And again, I, I could sit here and try to come up with some other things to talk about, but I really have nothing, except maybe, I don't know if I mentioned this, the art is horrendous. At points, you think that it's coming and making a turn. Okay, well, oh. And then you make the page turn and realize, nope, this is pretty awful. This is that. And it, it fits the horrific part. The only thing that Gary Brown's are, and I think that that's why they went with it, with this kind of astral plane horror story, it does fit with, like, the worst part, the the really awful doppelganger with the spine exposed like that. Okay, but everything else is just, it, it's a horror story all in and of itself. So that's that. And I'm going to give it a 5.5. Again, if you're a Quentin fan, you want a little, you know, focus, get him a little better. Like almost like he's grown up a bit here. Uh, you, you can read it and have fun. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to read it or not read it overall. I'm telling you that I wish I didn't. And my eyes will never forgive me. They're crying. Uh, the, the rain, my, my eyes are raining. I don't even know what I'm saying. See, I'm simple, Jack. But we'll go off now to end here. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, if if I kind of stumbled over it, 5.5 for that, the art being something that really made it take a nosedive. But thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed more of our in-depth talk of the whole way of X. And then this, count this as bonus, an awful bonus. But thanks, everybody. Go over to the Twitters at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, for news and previews and news. And then check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience. And this week, it looks like the badasses, the Get Fresh crew, beep boop, on the poll for the books this week, including 
uh, a number one, the Marvel's number one I put on the poll, but I also put the Fantastic Four back on the poll. I haven't been putting it on our poll because I haven't been reading it, but we're going to start coming out of King and Black, all that nonsense. And Clay even asked, are we going to talk about Fantastic Four? I said, yeah, I did put it on there. So we're going to talk about that. But what is actually winning right now is a book I already mentioned, the Marvel's number one, but also Beta Ray Bill number two. I think the badasses are counting on that book to remain awesome. And me and Clay really like that first issue. So if you want to listen to everything next week, including some other things coming out, Spider-Man Curse and the Man thing, number one, Silk, number two, Black Widow, number six, Modoc Head Games, a couple of things that I like. Miles Morales is coming out. Uh, we have the clone saga there going. So, yeah, some pretty cool things that will be coming up this Wednesday. If you want to hear it all, go to patreon.com slash weirdscience and listen to the spotlight, early access stuff, all of that stuff going on. But I'm not going to delay anymore. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this X-Men episode. And I'll talk to you in a couple of days.